what kind of rate of return can I expect on my dollars? And so I honestly think the most important thing in that relationship is the relationship, not the dollars. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, a, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt, and uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Actually, I hope it's the best ever one. This show is all about cutting out that fluffy stuff, getting straight to the best real estate investing advice that moves your business forward. We've spoken to Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad, Barbara Corcoran, uh, who's a judge on Shark Tank. And let's see, Tom Wheelwright, who is Robert Kiyosaki's CPA. Really, really cool interview with him. Want to check that out. He talks about 1031 exchanges and something that you might not know about 1031 exchanges. So you can Google Tom Wheelwright and Joe Fairless and that will come up. And with us today, we have got an investor who has been investing for almost 10 years as a buy and hold investor, has built up a portfolio and really excited to dig into it. So how you doing, Nathan Brooks? I am great, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, nice to have you on the show and um, looking forward to it. So a little bit about Nathan. Nathan is, uh, as I mentioned, he's been investing for 10 years as a buy and hold investor. He also has a management company. You can actually say hi to him and, and check out more of his company's information at Bridge Equity dot com. And that's one E. So B-R-I-D-G-E. Q-U-I-T-Y.com. And he's based in Kansas City, Missouri, non-real estate related. He's been a professional musician most of his adult life from playing the piano to playing different instruments and even singing. So we might just bust that singing part out a little bit later if that's all right, which I imagine since you're a musician, if you record an album in LA, you'd be all right with that. So with that being said, Nathan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure, Joe. Um, first of all, I, I appreciate invitation to be on here with you, and uh, and I love learning and, and doing uh, this kind of thing. So um, I've, I've been in investing in real estate for about ten years, and really kind of learned through the you know school of hard knocks. And my real estate education came through 
doing deals and for better or for worse, I'm I'm the kind of guy that just jumps into deals sometimes and, and that's kind of how my, well, at the beginning anyway. Uh, and so first day I bought a house, I actually bought two. Okay. And then, and then a, a handful of deals, uh, in that, in that year. And this was kind of in that boom before the bust of, of the, uh, you know, Oh nine, 10 and so forth. So <laughs> I was able to buy them a lot more easily than I was able to get out of them. We'll just say, and, um, it, it did not go particularly well. And we caught the downturn as we had acquired a number of properties and, and really were kind of just learning in, in the process. So that wasn't a whole lot of fun. And I'll ask some specific questions about that, but as far as what you got going on right now, what, what's your main focus now? Well, my main focus, we kind of, we kind of went through that, that experience and, and really turned it around to say, where do we go wrong? Where can we learn? What can we do now? And so we've slowly been building to, to add properties to our buy and hold portfolio. And we do some flips as well, but mainly main, main focus on the, the buy and hold and the property management side. And uh, we do those deals for us internally in our company, and we also do them for outside investors as well. And with the buy and holds, are the, these are single families? Mostly single families. We have a few multis as well, but we have mainly in that, you know, CEC plus um, single family rental um, that, and we're, we're actively doing four, five, six of those a month right now. All right. So you said that before 2008, a lot easier to buy than actually get rid of, which makes a whole lot of sense. What, what are you doing now differently than you were doing previous to 2008? Well, now we have a lot more places that we're able to, to get them from. And so I would say I have on a given you know week, I probably have three, four or five different wholesalers who are sending me deals. And we also have you know, daily MLS searches and, and, and looking for deals that way too. And then, you know, I also get leads off Facebook or bigger pockets or, you know, from other people that I know just from family, friends, and, you know, inside that circle of people that know who, who we are and what we do. So it's more on the acquisition side and finding the properties. Is there anything as far as once you identify the properties, how you approach it, how you leverage it or how you manage it or, or dispose of it? Yeah, absolutely. You want the kind of the whole rundown on that? Yeah, sure. Okay, sweet. Well, we really we really focus on on how on our all in numbers and 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 just that leveraged number what we can be all in for. And so we're able to use uh, a lot of times private financing on the front end. So we we go into a property, I create a workup or one of my guys does, and uh, we uh, you know just establish whether it's a deal or not, lock it under contract, and uh, we're able to you know, use other outside funds a lot of time. And, uh, we will purchase that rehab it and, and where we really make our money and kind of our special sauce is just making sure that we achieve the utmost, but not over overdue the rehab in those properties. So we're, we're buying them, you know, a lot of times as is foreclosure, mold, basement problem, whatever it is. And we're able to, you know, really achieve a, a, a solid equity position in the deal. So then we're able to refi out of those, you know, usually with little or no dollars in them of ourselves. 
So you buy it with private money, then and you rehab it with private money. You make sure the rehab is just right, but not too much, not overly rehab, but just right. Then you have enough equity in it. You refinance the private money back out and you hold on to it in your portfolio long term. Exactly. With the private money, is that one source? It is not. We have we have uh, a lot of uh, relationships now just over time and in, in, in doing deals and uh, creating those those relationships and and um so no and and that's what's so nice is that you could have one source that's you know maybe they're all out in their funds right now but uh, uh you know then we just go on down the list to the next person how much private money would you estimate that you've uh, raised over the course of your 10 years oh gosh <laughs> uh it's in the millions for sure and what are the terms Typically, um, if you're able to do typically or you can do a deal specific, whichever one makes more sense. For sure. Um, I would say I would say on average, we're probably in the eight to 10 percent range. Um, some are a little better. Some are a little bit more. But that's kind of where we're, we are right now. And eight to 10 percent, then are there any other fees that they receive or anything else? Or is it just eight to 10 percent? You know, sometimes we do end up paying a point or two, and a lot of times it's it's also just deal dependent, if that makes sense. So, you know, if if there's a lot larger margin in there, you know, sometimes we can get a little better deal or, you know, if they have a lot of funds, then they're trying to get some more money working, then, you know, we can get a little better deal. But that's what's nice about having those relationships and establishing that track record where you can, you know, have those kind of real just clear conversations. And so you make it, make sure it's a win-win for them and for you. What paperwork is involved in that process whenever you're raising money for these deals? You know, we, we want to make sure that our clients really understand that they're, you know, where their money is and what what's going on. And so we, we do a, a full mortgage and, and uh, close and the whole nine yards title insurance and, and make sure that the client's you know, they understand that they're, or the you know, private money lender, that their money is, is, uh, is safe and in a, in a first lien position on a deal. So you've got title insurance. What are all the paperwork that they need to sign or that's involved in the transaction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a sales contract and, and you see that, and it goes through the title company. Um, they have a, a first lien position mortgage or deed of trust paying by which, which, uh, city, uh, state you're in. And so, it's it's recorded with the county and and uh, so it's a full it's a full close and and everybody you know understands where where their position is and that they're you know fully uh, their leverage or their their control is is having that lien on the property. And what are the challenges that you come across during the private money relationship? That's a great question. I think it's it's all about the ebb and flow of deals. Uh, as well as understanding who you are as the investor and what you're what you're bringing to that to that private money person, and so and what I guess what I mean by that is you know when you first approach a private money person, it's you're just another person asking for money in a deal, and if that's their business, they obviously have an understanding of what they're they're getting into, but for them to be able to see you know how do you actually rehab a house, how long can you know how long is it going to take me to get my money back? What kind of rate of return can I expect on my dollars? And so I honestly think the most important thing in that relationship is the relationship, not the dollars. And if you can deliver what you say you're going to deliver, 
you know, you, you can come back and say, Hey, you know, here's now deal one of my track record that I, you know, I, I, uh, had a $50,000 house with 15,000, you know, rehab. And, and I told you I'd turn it in 45 days and I did and rented it for what I told you I would. And, and so we're back for, you know, XYZ deal. And, and I think if you can have a real clear picture of what you're asking for and why, then you're going to be ahead of the game with your, with your lender. With the type of updates that you give them, what do they look like? We give them a full scope of work and we give them comps. And we actually have started using even a uh, appraiser that I know. And, and uh, not that we're using a formal appraisal by any means, but we do even an email appraisal that we pay for. And, you know, just looking through the comps and he's seen enough of our deals to know what we have going on. So we just have another way to say, here's me personally. These are the comps I pulled for this. Here's our appraiser and his his feeling on it. And, and then we actually have a full workup of what, what our, you know, all in numbers and expenses and the whole nine yards so that they, you know, you can look at a deal like that and, and in 60 seconds, you've looked through everything and, and know the scope of work and the, you know, rough ballpark of the rehab and, and, and its value. So that would be the, the materials that you share with them before the deal, right? To, to talk to them about it. Exactly. And then once you close on the deal with them, what type of updates do you give them? Well, anymore, really nothing other than, hey, I'll have your you know, funds back next week for you, <laughs> which is nice. So, What's the time period usually? You know, we can usually turn them in, in 60 to 90 days fully, fully you know, from, from close to lease and in income producing. Have you ever looked at crowdfunding? You know, I have some, uh, but it's not something I have a lot of experience with. One of the things we really are, are looking more at is the syndication side and, and what that kind of deal would look like. Got it. And how would that look for rehabbing, then cashing out and doing a buy and hold? Or would it be a different model? I think it'd be a totally different model, more in, in the space of a, a larger multi kind of deal. Okay. So you're talking multifamily syndication? Exactly. Got it. Got it. What's the largest property that, that you've closed on so far? We have a sixplex and that's really it. We're really in the mode for for the next number of years to go after uh, a large number of the single family rentals, as well as we have a second model that we just love, which is, it's kind of a turnkey model, but it's really about, it's really about helping other investors achieve some equity in a deal versus where other turnkey investors, you know, or companies just basically sell it at the full, full price. But we have a little more transparency with our, our fees and, and uh, really help achieve investors, you know, get more equity in deals. So that's where we're focused. So on syndication and also the unique spin on a turnkey model, right? Exactly. Got it. Okay. So you got syndication that you're, you're going to be focused on more, more on a larger scale mm-hmm. and then uh, continuing to churn out the, the single families that you've got so much experience in and a, a great track record. What would be, what, what has been the biggest challenge so far as you've been building your company? That's an awesome question. I, I think that question changes even sometimes week by week or month by month. And so for us, it's been the ability to, to say, okay, well, we have these, this number of dollars available now, but we have, you know, only these deals. And then the following week we say, well, holy cow, we went out and got, you know, another five deals, but now we don't have the funds. And then, wow, we have 10 deals on a renovation right now, which we do. And 
you know, so how are you lining up construction needs with that and, and the ongoing just paperwork side of something like that. And, you know, then we have a number of properties for our property management company. And so we, you know, then we're out hiring a, a property manager to, to take on that. And, and then how do we, you know, we continue to grow that, that private money bucket. But so this week, actually, we went out and hired an acquisitions person so that we could continue to help grow and fill that bucket as it, the need has grown. As you have these evolving challenges that come up based on where your business is at in its life cycle, what type of strategy or skill set or who do you reach out to? Like, How do you solve the ever-evolving challenges? Because as you just mentioned, I mean, there, there are different types of challenges. So is there a common denominator that you draw upon to come up with solutions? Well, I am a huge proponent of a mentor. And I happen to have a couple of different guys in my friends or people to reach out to that uh, have have been hugely helpful. And so I, I think, you know, when you're trying to understand how to structure a financing deal, you know, I can reach out to my, to my lender or to my mentor who's done, you know, many, many, many more deals or, or different types of deals or whatever. And, and at the same time, also, I think as you, as you learn, and I, I have a you know, business partner or whatever in my, in our companies, and we, you know, we're able to just feed off each other and you surround yourself with the best and smartest and, and not be afraid to ask questions or do homework and learn it so that you can understand and, and then uh, really accurately do that same process again. So how'd you find your mentor? <laughs> well, um, I sent an email off Craigslist of a property manager and uh, um, an investor, and I invited him to lunch a number of times and, and kept asking and uh, took him to lunch. And he actually became my first private lender. And, and we're still friends and, and have a business relationship today, which is, you know, seven or eight, nine years ago. He had posted something and you reached out to him via Craigslist? Yeah, it was just about his company, and I was I was searching for property management at the time, and and uh, so he just looked like a very interesting person and, and had a very interesting business, and I've I've just learned learned an immense amount of information from him. Nathan, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I think it's to connect your passion with what your action is, and if you are excited and fired up and going after whether you it's your first deal or if it's your you know thousandth deal if you're fired up about it and you wake up thinking about it then um you're going to connect that action part with the passion part and and then man get rid of off your plate as quickly as possible things you don't like to do because they're not going to get done and then it's going to bite you and and so you know growing in all those aspects but also making sure that you're you're really putting yourself in a position to do the things that you like to do because that's going to help you achieve achieve what you want. What's an example of something you had on your plate? Because you, when you spoke, it sounded like you were coming from a voice of experience. <laughs> when you're like, get things off of your plate that you, you don't want, otherwise they'll come back and bite you. So can you give us an example of something that you didn't necessarily dig as much and what happened as a result? Well, I'll tell you, I love putting deals together. I love going and meeting sellers who need to sell. I love scouring the MLS. I love that stuff. I love putting it together and understanding the numbers. I don't love doing the paperwork side and, and trying to have a, a real clear, you know, I am not particularly good with, with QuickBooks or any of those kinds of things. And so 
I had to bring in somebody that really could understand all the moving pieces and and take all that stuff off my plate to where I could I could be bringing in the deals and then I can hand off the the admin side of the of that process. Nathan, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it, man. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, join me in subscribing to the Family Office Podcast. The host, Richard Wilson, you can learn more about him, episode 447. The reason why you'll want to subscribe and listen to this podcast is he talks about how billionaire families think and how to attract the ultra wealthy into your business. The Family Office Podcast. What's the best ever book you've read? I would say that uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad really got me fired up about the overall understanding of what we can do with this real estate business thing. And best ever listeners, you can check out that interview. Just Google Robert Kiyosaki, Joe Fairless, and you'll hear Rich Dad Poor Dad's best ever advice. What's the best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? It was buying those first deals and not winning because it was a, a very quick, a very seriously educational experience and it reminded me to do my homework and understand what I was doing in the deals. And I think that for anybody getting into it, whether it's a mentor or education or whatever, it's, it's just so important to understand what you're getting into and, and to take that lesson and put it into creating more deals that work. Best ever deal you've done? Well, I did a deal in uh, back in the day when, when the, the short sales were a little easier to get a hold of and we bought and sold a deal really putting very little dollars into it and made about uh, 60 or 70 grand on the deal in, in about four weeks. So Best ever way you like to give back? I have found in the last even few months, this last year, I, I've really tried to put myself in a position with my eyes open to to see what's going on around me and and I have found and, and truly believe that when you when you do give back it it does come back around to you and and so I like to find opportunities where, where you can really make a person's whether it's a day or or um, you know some problem that they're having and, and so I've really found a lot of joy in just making personal anonymous gifts to people or things or companies that uh, really could use it and, and it makes an immediate impact. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Oh man, I am just so fired up about our property management and our turnkey you know, solution. And I, I just love it for so many people out there who, who are just dying to get into real estate deals, but they just, they don't have the time or or interest to get, you know, knee deep into it like you and I do. And so we're really able to deliver cash flow properties and, and a property management that actually cares and, and does an awesome job. And because uh, <laughs> I'd fired two property management companies before mine. So I'm just fired up to help make people's, uh, you know, deliver wealth and, and uh, a positive experience in the real estate world. What software do you use? Well, we use a lot of technology uh, most of it being cloud-based, and so we use DocuSign for our signatures. We use Basecamp for our project management space, which is absolutely awesome. I use Evernote on a daily basis for just about everything from reminders to taking pictures of properties to taking notes to 
remembering my favorite bottle of wine at dinner with my wife. And then we use Buildium for our property management software. There's the big one. I was wondering when, yeah, <laughs> you like led up to the, the big <laughs> one where you, the, the whole infrastructure of your management company, I imagine, is on Buildium, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. What is the biggest mistake you've made so far in real estate? Biggest mistake? I, I think it's trying to do it all myself, kind of back to the, you know, bringing the right people on the on the right bus, going the right direction to use a Jim Collins uh, term there. And so to have a, a partner that really is a exceptionally good at doing things that I'm not exceptionally good at and then building a team, team around you of exceptional people and, and, and being willing and okay with letting go of things. Not that they're not getting done, but you put the right position, uh, right person in that position to do it. And, and I, I wish I would have done that a lot sooner. I have two questions related to our conversation, but I'm looking back through my notes and these two questions popped up. So they're not related at all. And we're going to like kind of bounce back and forth from where you were earlier talking. First question is you mentioned a lot of places that you get leads from. And one of the things you mentioned was Facebook. Is that through ads? Is that through groups? Is that through another way? I haven't paid a penny for advertising on Facebook and I've gotten a large number of deals from there. And and really, I think it comes down to being genuine in posts and it comes from both my personal page and my, my management page. And, you know, whether you you ask for what you want, right? So, I need to buy another two houses this month. Who do you know that needs to sell? Or, you know, we post something on Facebook of a of a property that we're renovating and says, you know, does your kitchen look like this? Are you tired of, you know, dealing with it? And, you know, do you need to sell your home? And and so we we've just had a great success with that when you're real in your post and you're real in your writing and you're real in your conversation like we are and and you can really deliver that those kind of deals. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that I asked that follow-up question. I'm sure all of my uh, rehab or best ever listeners are as well, because those are two very tactical things that can be implemented mm-hmm. uh, to get more deals and build your ability to get more deals. I'll just follow up on that too. That there's a really neat online, you know, cloud-based software, whatever, uh, called Hootsuite, and you can connect all your social media to that. So. You know, you, whether you have a LinkedIn account, which I've gotten deals off of as well, uh, Facebook, Twitter, you know, on and on and on. You can set all of those up and then you can actually have all of your social media um, set up for, you know, on a weekly basis or whatever you want to do and, and pre-program all that kind of stuff in, in, in Hootsuite. And then the other follow-up question is on the business model and then really, actually, not the business model is, is incredible. I, I want to make a comment on that in the summary. The other question is on the lender and or your your mentor who you said is I believe you said is also your your first private lender. You reached out to him via Craigslist. Were there any to me Craigslist doesn't seem like a like a very credible source to go into like business relationships, but I might be completely off base. So was there were there any reservations in your mind when you're reaching out to someone who's posting on Craigslist? Well, <laughs> that's a great question, first of all. Second, uh, I think there's two caveats to this. So it was property management, and, and I honestly I don't remember exactly what the ad was for, but I think it was for an actual rental that was available. And so I went from the rental that was available to 
their website and that's where I started seeing really like oh wow this is this is a significant business and a, and a really interesting person who's doing exactly what I want to be doing so you know what better way to find out how to do it than ask the guy that actually did it I love it thanks for giving that clarification of course where is the best place for the best ever listeners to reach you best place uh, would be at uh, my website which is bridgeequity.com b-r-i-d-g-e Q-U-I-T-Y, so there's only one E, that or on uh, Bridge Management on Facebook. So it's it's the same website, but we uh, we have a management link in and we have a you know equity partner uh, link on there. So, And how many times in your life do you think you're going to say the phrase, there's only one E? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking in the 8 to 10 million. Well, uh, we, we might as well embrace it then. So how about you want to sing? There's only one E. You want to you want to do that? And then maybe maybe every time you say there's only one E, maybe you sing it and then you can always reference back to our conversation. <laughs> well, you know, I would probably need to create a uh, a jingle for that, don't you think? There's only one E in bridge equity. There's There's your jingle. That's pretty good. So it'd be something like, there's only one E in bridge equity. Oh my gosh, you're talented. Wow. <laughs> you're you're pretty you're pretty darn good. <laughs> wow. All right. Well maybe I need to hire you for some of uh some of like my pre or post music or something. Nice work. Hey, thanks, man. Not, not nothing like a little off the cuff singing. Well, Nathan, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice and talking about your business model. I mean, it's the most solid business model that that you can have, in my opinion, for raising money. And I think regardless of if it's single family homes or or multifamily, if there's a way to borrow money, uh, improve, cash out the private money or borrowed money and then hold it long term, you're building an empire of of real estate and i I think i know that that is the best way to go for uh rehabbers and fix and flippers i mean so many create another job by being a fix and flipper and you're just only as good as your last project and you're just uh you know a little mouse on a wheel whereas if you uh continue to do the buy and holds by cashing them out then you're actually building something in the other way to approach it that most fix and flippers do is they buy, they fix it up, they flip it, then they take some of the proceeds and invest it in the long term buy and hold, and then they keep fixing and flipping to build up that cash and, and just do that. But why just, I mean, in this, you're just cutting out the middle, middle process, and you're just going straight to the long term hold. The challenge for, I imagine, for other investors will be having the private money to make that happen and, and talking to them about how the process is going to work. But really, I think it's, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I, I love hearing your business model and hearing about your success. Uh, and then thank you for talking about, you know, just your 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 resourceful nature um, and getting it done with, you know, finding your mentors, your big believer in that, you know, the Craigslist example. Uh, and then also talking about the challenges that you've overcome. And, and they're ever evolving. I mean, there there's there's uh, constantly challenges that come up. They're not the same every time, but what is the same is that you've got to, as you said, you've got to focus on the things you want to do, not the things you don't want to do. 
and you've got to delegate out and also getting very tactical with the type of software that you use from DocuSign, Basecamp, Evernote, and dot, 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 Buildium, where you, uh, you're able to do the management, you know, your company. I didn't mention this earlier, but I saw in BiggerPockets profile that your company manages about a, a thousand units. So quite substantial size. So thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice. And I hope you have the best ever day. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. You too. I want to mention FundNetFlip because FundNetFlip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, a, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. Familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, So go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Best ever listeners, join me in subscribing to the Family Office Podcast The host, Richard Wilson, you can learn more about him, episode 447. The reason why you'll want to subscribe and listen to this podcast is he talks about how billionaire families think and how to attract the ultra-wealthy into your business. The Family Office Podcast.